Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, and welcome to the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. This edition is sponsored by Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. This episode features Michaela Brown, the group fitness manager at Vita Fitness and chairwoman of Vita's Diversity and Inclusion Board. We talk about how the board came about, how the company is addressing equity, diversity, and inclusion, and advice for other operators seeking to prioritize EDI within their companies. Enjoy. All right. First off, Michaela, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. I really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, well, first off, you know, I really wanted to learn about um, Vita's Diversity and Inclusion Board. Um, I thought it was really interesting that you guys took that approach and going ahead and creating a board. So can you just give me some background and tell me um, how the board came about and what your goals are for it? Yeah, it's um, I've been with the company for about three years, and um, it's been an amazing journey to, to experience. And so it really was birthed out of the Black Lives Matter movement and the tremendous effect that that movement and the specific events that happened in 2020 had on like our leaders, our senior leaders in the company, specifically David and Aaron. And it was one of those light bulb moments for them. um, And they were brought to action. I think that that was also consistent with the action that many of us felt within the company. Um, But in that moment, it felt synergistic. Everyone was feeling like something needed to be done at the same um, time. So there were some quick activities that we were pulling together just to respond to what was going on. And in several discussions, this idea of a board, some type of outside committee, um, some type of advisory committee, diversity committee kept coming up in all the different discussions that I think that different people were having with David and Aaron. And so that started. Um, so that that's where the idea came from. And it was also just a realization that no matter how dynamic our company is, and we are, and no matter how diverse we feel, there was this this idea that maybe we still have a lot of gaps that we're not aware of because we're not searching for them and also people are not speaking on them. And that in itself led to the need for a diversity inclusion board because if you don't have a culture, a work culture where people actively are pressing you on that and can challenge you on that, and if you yourself are not moved to see it, then that, that proved the point in itself. So it was a, a culmination of those things. Yeah. Um, Can you share with me a little bit of the things um, that the board is in charge of, some of the things that you guys are actively seeking to do through the board? It's a revolving door. And I I mean, this is our first year. So we we came together in October of 2020, um, just sort of to get to know each other. The board is comprised of 10 members right now. Eight of those 10 members are from inside VITA as team members, and we call staff and employees team members. Mm -hmm. So eight of the 10 are team members, and then two of the 10 are outside of the team. So one is a member, but not a team member, and then the other is not a member, not a team member. Um, So that first uh, four months or so was really about us coming together and trying to put some structure into what what would a diversity and inclusion board look like? And that is still evolving, but that, so the first four months were put to that. And then we had formalized elections in December 
Um, and so with that, this is only our one and a half month anniversary. <laughs> so I give you that preface to say that we are constantly seeing needs and identifying gaps and those gaps, they, they, they take us on that journey. As of right now, the gaps, some of the main gaps that we've identified is number one, the acknowledgement of all the diverse uh, team members and members that we have. And when I say acknowledgement is, uh, are we missing opportunities to acknowledge certain holidays that really speak to certain team members, right? Because even, I'll tell you that even before this February, um, Black History Month was acknowledged, but it didn't feel acknowledged, right? Yeah. So that gave us an immediate opportunity in 2021 to say, look, we hear, we hear you and this is how we're gonna do it. And Black History Month so far has been amazing. Um, we have decorations all over the place at every location. We have group fitness classes that are specifically geared uh, to some type of Black history or Black greatness. So we have cycle instructors that are uh, riding to Black Girl Magic themed, uh, you know, playlists. And we have one of our trainers who's doing a Wakanda Warrior workout. And um, we have uh, social media posts about just different um, community leaders, team members that should be acknowledged and also the typical black historical figurines. So that the, 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 the focus on not missing the opportunity to acknowledge even things as um, seemingly like thoughtless as Veterans Day or Hispanic Heritage Month or week. Um, because we've been so focused on being the best fitness company and um, with the pandemic, just being a viable fitness company, sometimes we lose sight of those things. And one of the things that the board has uh, put out there and has been well received is that those small investments into people is an investment into the viability of your company and into the longevity of your company. And you're gonna create a culture where people wanna, wanna work for you. They don't feel like they have to work for you. And so that, that's some of what we're doing. So acknowledging um, a lot of celebrations and um, heritage days. The other thing we're doing is looking at the composition of our team um, from the top down and identifying gaps where maybe the populations that we represent are not represented within our leadership structure or within our personnel. And that has been very um, eye-opening and also uh, it's, it's an important task. And so we have an entire committee within our board that's dedicated at looking at positions and salaries laterally to uh, identify if there's any instances where uh, there could be a question of equity. And, and that's, we're more of like a proactive board in that we're trying to identify areas that we can address before they become issues, right? And so looking at that, looking at, um, is there an over, is the demographic breakdown lopsided in certain areas? Why, number one, two, how can we address that? And three, how can we put in place measures so that moving forward, even after this wave of board members has left, that the company can continue to, to be at the top, you know, and, and be thinking about those things. So that's a big initiative, creating um, checklists and just considerations so that hiring managers keep matters of diversity, equity, and inclusion at the forefront. If we have a female general manager that exits, 
to at least have it be a consideration of how that um, makes the scale unbalanced or balanced. And just being thoughtful about the hiring process versus whose statistics look the best on a resume and if we're quickly trying to fill. So that putting some thoughtfulness into that process. Um, so that's a big thing, that, that's a major thing. And then I would say our most important task is creating a culture where open discussion and open dialogue about matters of diversity, equity and inclusion are something that's welcomed and actually taken advantage of. Uh, that will help us alleviate a lot of problems because if we know about them, then we can work on them. But if there's constantly uh, conversations going on in the peanut gallery here and down here, but never raising up there, then we look up and there's an issue that's been brewing that we didn't know about. And so we did, um, we started this back in 2020. We hosted a string of town hall meetings within our company. Um, we did them at a few locations and then we did a company-wide one. And then we had one specifically for our housekeeping staff, which is mostly Spanish speaking um, Americans. And it was just to go on a trust building campaign and to create that energy where people felt like they had others to talk to. They had advocates to talk to if they ever felt that they were unfairly treated based off of any, you know, that long list of uh, you know, characteristics or mm -hmm. were, were they not knowing. And even in the last town hall when it was mostly Spanish speaking Americans, um, it was amazing that even the, the language gap that, and I think we don't think about that because we do have a few Spanish speaking managers but at each location, there's some missing information there or you know, missed op opportunities because, because if they don't speak the best English, then they either just don't mention it or don't ask the question or don't feel like they can. And then we're not looking for opportunities to proactively make that process easy on them. And so that was a, a huge thing. And in every instance, we've brought those issues or those opportunities to the decision makers and they've been jumped on. So um, I would, if I had to boil down our efforts, I would boil it down to, you know, open um, communication within our family. Um, I would uh, just paying attention more to diverse diversity and um, opportunities to celebrate diversity and also um, just making sure we're representative in our uh, management and all levels of our personnel. Yeah, no, I think it's really great that you guys opened up, um, you know, those conversations and created a safe uh, space for people to talk about it. Um, what advice would you give to maybe gym operators who are afraid to have these conversations, maybe because they're worried that they're going to mess up or that, you know, they're not going to do it right? What would you say to them? You want to be on the front end of that mess up and not on the back end of that mess up. Um, <laughs> we're going to mess it up. And I mean, I, we had a board meeting last night and I was saying this, like, we're essentially creating a small business, right? We're going to make all the mistakes that hopefully boards in 10 years won't make. We're going to make those mistakes. The thing is the risk of a mistake is totally worth the reward of, of being a diverse and equitable and inclusive work environment hands down. And if it hasn't taught us prior to 2020, 2020 should have taught many businesses that. Um, I mentioned this earlier, but those type of investments and even the perception that you are a company that values those things will reap 
any business so many rewards as far as the type of talent you're able to attract to your uh, to your company, um, as far as the type of community support that you're going to get. It's an investment work uh, making. So if a mistake and fear of a mistake is all you have, trust that, you know, that'll totally be overrun by, you know, the great things that'll come out of having a diversity board. Thanks again to our sponsor, Club Solutions Mastermind Groups. The Club Solutions Mastermind Groups offer peer-to-peer support that's affordable, convenient, and for all levels of health club management. Go to clubsolutionsmgx.com for more information. Well, what has been the response among your employees and your members? Look, I mean, shock, awe, and and gratitude. (laughs) I remember, I told you we did a a few town halls and um, it's funny because on the first town hall, it was like, we would have an open-ended question and, you know, it was, you know, 50 people on the call and we're asking questions and it was birds chirping. Nobody, nobody participated. It was almost the doubt, like, are we allowed to talk? Are we going to get fired? <laughs> All of that. And um, then, you know, fast track it to the fourth town hall where people just came in ready to relay their journey and their story. And so the response has been very, very positive. And I think that it has brought our internal community tighter together. Um, I'm a big person on small things. And I think that our board, um, focuses on a lot of the small things. So even the small gesture of having a handcrafted Black History Month flag on the window at U Street, that's noticeable. And that, it just is small, but everyone makes a comment on it, right? It's the, it's the small things. So people have appreciated it. People have appreciated um, having an outlet to speak to. So we have the the Diversity and Inclusion Board, we have a separate external email. Um, something doesn't have the vitafitness.com suffix, and we wanted to create this um, environment where they knew that if they brought, raised a concern to us, that it would be handled independently. And so we have like a separate email, and then we also have um, a secure complaint or feedback form that you can send. And so um, the trust right? So people have commented on how even that has made them feel more comfortable coming forward. We've had not a lot, but several emails uh, with people raising concerns. And then by the time we bring it up and bring it to the people who can make change, we've created that environment where they knew, okay, well, I have someone that has my back. Like if I go in here and this would never happen, but if I go in here and I get fired in two months, I know I have a, divo- a diversity board that no, you know, can track that whole thing. And that would never happen. But the, the thing that we talk about a lot with Aaron and David is that if there's a perception that that might happen, that's the issue, right? Yeah. If there's a perception that if I speak up and I stand my ground on certain things that I, there will be recourse taken against me, then that's the biggest problem because I know in working with them that that would never happen. So it's, it's been largely positive. Um, people wanna join the board now. And so now we're the cool crew and you know we start our town halls with jumping music and everybody <laughs> wants to be down. So um, that, I mean, so again, I'm, I'm only mostly hearing the positive feedback but it's been an overwhelming response of positivity. So, and that's, and awesome. that's from the inside out, we, the support and the, the gratitude that we also 
get from Aaron and David is so meaningful because it's one thing to put it out there that you want to do this. And it's one thing in the heat of the moment and the heat of protest and all that to say, we need to do something. But the thing that I remind everyone of is that this was a choice. They made, they made a choice to do this. And even when the protests started to subside and you know that, that normal lull happens after something so, you know, so intense, this stayed at the top of the priority list for the company. And so that is always a grounding thing for me because it's, it, it could easily go the other way and for it to be a, you know, a checkbox. We did it, you know, we did it very, you know, we did it at the minimum, check it off the list, but they are very involved and very responsive. And um, that's been amazing too. So I think that that trickles down. The response has been so, uh, powerful because the leaders at the top make it an important thing and it trickles down. Yeah. Um, in addition to a board, are there any other things um, that, you know, Jim should be thinking about if they are seeking to prioritize equity, diversity, and inclusion? Yeah. So I always encourage um, uh, company owners to just look at the demographics of your clientele and and, 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 well, look, start there and try to offer options at every level of personnel that represents that, right? That's always important. Um, fitness is one of those things. It, it's all about connectivity and the relationships that we have with our clients and members are in a lot of cases, a very intimate one. And when I say intimate, I mean that I always say people come to gyms to get into something to get out of something or to stay in something. It's like, it all boils down to that. And a lot of times um, we're looking for that connection. Like if you're gonna subject yourself to an hour long grueling personal training session, something extra is gonna bring you out of bed when it's snowing. It's that connectivity. And a lot of times people find that connectivity in, in people that they can relate to. Sometimes that is a history thing. You have a common experience. Sometimes it's physically looking at someone that looks like you. And so um, that's, that's a thing, making sure that your personnel is diverse so that you can attract a wider audience and a larger audience base. Um, look for opportunities to team build within your community, right? So one of the amazing things that we're doing as a company, and this was spearheaded by David, is um, he donated 20 NASM scholarships to Black trainers in our community. And so the board uh, plays a pretty big part in the screening process for those. And so one, one of the things that we're doing is we're looking at people, talented talent in our community that may not be able to do this because of financial reasons, reasons that no one should be denied an opportunity based off. And we have built this whole mentorship program where before they actually take their exam and before they get certified and possibly become hired as a trainer, that we embrace them within the community. And that is an amazing thing because again, we want team members that want to be here and who see this as a part of their like lifestyle and life and family. And when you create those bonds, when you build up the community from within, you find that you have more longevity within your personnel and that you have a happier, more, um, you know, 
inclusive work environment because people want to be there. People want to contribute. People want to go above and beyond to see the company do well because they have a vested interest. This is theirs. They, they own a part of this. So those are the really the, the two big things. And then you got to practice what you preach. Like if diversity is meaningful to you, regardless of what you're doing quietly in the background, a part of that has to be seen and heard because remember the reality and the perceptions are equally powerful. If you're doing things silently or behind closed doors, but the people who it should affect can't feel it and touch it, then the perception is you're not doing what you, what you should be doing or what you said you did. And then you're dealing with an issue retroactively. And so I'm, oh, it, you know, David and Aaron are both really humble like this where they like to kind of, you know, creep in the, in the silence. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to say this loudly because we want, we don't want people to say, oh, Aaron is the greatest and David is the greatest, though they are, right? <laughs> but we want them to know before there's a question being asked, we want people to know. You don't have to ask that question. We got it covered, right? So that's, you know, being proactive, being visible, uh, making sure your personnel is representative of the diverse environment that you hope to portray and making sure that you're team building um, within your community. And so it's like, you know, if you have a, you know, a housekeeper who is of Hispanic descent, um, give them the opportunity to also be a personal trainer. Maybe they, they work, maybe they, they work in a gym for a reason, right? Get, don't always look outside, look at the talent and the skill sets that you have inside and you might be ple pleasantly surprised. Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been a really great conversation and I appreciate you just sharing, you know, everything about uh, Vita's diversity board and your EDI initiatives. Is there anything else that you think is important to touch on the other operators, you know, should be thinking about? You know, this is you know, 2020 and all, and, and I'm going to call say 2021 too, because it's just been a continuation. It has presented a lot of challenges, but I think it also has presented tons of opportunities for businesses to shine and businesses to be trendsetters and forward thinking and not followers in the game. And so um, my only advice is on this, on this basis, there's tons of room for improvement and there's tons of opportunities for uh, fitness, you know, uh, companies in the fitness industry to project greatness. And so take, take, this, uh, take this chance and take this opportunity to be at the forefront of this movement because this movement is not going anywhere. And so that's the challenge that I would pose and be, be leaders. I, I hope to be looking at this podcast and learning something from your next guest about what they learned from this conversation, but how they took what I'm saying to the next level. And so that's, that's what I would encourage. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, um, I think that's it. <laughs> Is there any Yay! gaps or uh, any gaps or anything <laughs> that you think I should have asked? You know, the only thing is, I think though, the one consideration that people neglect is like that whole board composition. That's, um, that's, I mean, we did some research on it. A lot of boards have just exclusive, like exclusively have staff members or team members. Um, we found that it was helpful um, to have some non- team members on the board just to give that objective view. Um, I think that it, it's a huge advantage to be in inside, right? Because there are challenges that any company faces that people from the inside just have a unique understanding of it, boots yeah. on the ground. But to get that objective perspective from someone that has no clue what you're talking about, <laughs> 
it's it's pretty refreshing and um so that 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 board composition so we have 15 we have the capacity to uh max out at 15. Okay. right now we have the 10 and so what that has done is every and i'm sorry board members have terms for two years okay and so with us having five open spots that will give us an opportunity in 2022 to bring on new board members to clear space for maybe five outgoing board members and to always have that you know circulation going so, um, but that composition is a tricky one. So when we bring on new members, we have to be conscious of like, do we keep the balance? And we're even having a very um, spirited debate on what board compositions should look like. Um, how, how do numbers break down? How do we keep the integrity of a diverse board? Does X amount of spots, should it be allocated to black people and to you know, members of the LBGTQ plus community? Like that is where it gets really hard. That's the, really, that's the hardest part, I think of our whole existence. We're in, a, we're in agreement on almost everything except for what percentage should, you know, be allocated to X and Y. So, um, yeah. you know, the more forward thinking you can be about that, um, the better. Uh, we got handed sort of some preliminary bylaws. So the uh, firming up the bylaws that really addressed the, the things that were important to us, that has also been a huge um, time demand. So just making sure like those bylaws are everything, you know, it's, it's your guiding principles. So, and that is very specific to each company because every company has their own culture and their own needs. So those are the two critical structural pieces that I think that any new board has to take the time and the energy to invest in. And if, if you need to seek help with it, but the bylaws and what standards um, that you will set so that future boards can follow suit and not have to make up, you know, reinvent the wheel two or three years from now. Yeah, no, those are great considerations for operators thinking about putting together their own um, EDI board. That's it's, very a, helpful. It's, a sm- it's a small business within a, within a business. It's yeah. like the same way you would have having an operating agreement for a new small business or a new LLC, like that's how it, <laughs> that's how it is. So, and I think that people always think, oh, it's a board, you know, no, it's a small little business that has to operate like that. Otherwise with 10 different sets of opinions and different personalities coming together once a month, that's the wild, wild west if you don't have any structures. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. So yeah, that's that. Uh, you asked me any recommendations. I forgot to say that. Good bylaws. <laughs> and within the bylaws, make sure that composition is straight so that you maintain the integrity of the board. And that wraps up this episode of the Club Solutions Magazine podcast. Thank you for listening. And if there are future topics you'd like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please let me know at rachel at clubsolutionsmagazine.com. <laughs>